Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 92 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, college football fans and Cornhusker fans. Yes, yes. And uh, we are a father-son duo that does this podcast, uh, college football podcast, by college football fans for college football fans. Uh, and, of course, talking about our own beloved Nebraska Cornhusker team. Yes. Uh, but before we dive into the specifics about the Huskers and uh, their their first week of practice, that they've now been able to get into in the Big Ten, uh, we thought we would talk about some of the big games that have been going on uh, as the other conferences have been getting into their seasons. Um, and last time we talked about uh, weeks two and three, and that was before the uh, the SEC start up their games. Um, so we've got weeks four, five, and six to discuss. Um, and something I remember thinking after we did that podcast, though I didn't articulate it at the time, um, was that more than likely all this, the stuff with COVID delaying uh, practices, you know, and teams not being as prepared as they usually would be, um, would probably affect the defenses in general more than the offenses. Um, because, you know, one one misalignment on defense can lead to a dude being wide open and, you know, a score. Um, and as, uh, though I haven't watched many of the games live on Saturdays, uh, looking at the scores and a lot of the big upsets that have happened, that seems to be a common theme is that there's a lot of uh, kind of sloppy defense being played out oh, there. Absolutely true. B- bottom line is, is so many teams that are missing the fact that they didn't have as many, nearly as many contact days as they have historically had, right? And that's already been shrinking every year, the number of days you can actually be in full pads and, 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 and banging heads. And as a result, the tackling has just been atrocious, atrocious. And then um, even when guys are, quote, quote, where they're supposed to be on the field, they just don't execute. They don't make the play because they're not, they didn't have the repetitions on the physical side of it, right? They, mm-hmm. they are where they're supposed to be on the field, but then they don't make the play. <laughs> yep. And it's really obvious. Yep. So to start things off, um, there were three big upsets in week four of college football. And we'll go ahead and start off with the first happening within the SEC uh, with LSU ranked number six, uh, losing to Mississippi State 44 to 34. And one interesting thing of note for uh those Nebraska fans out there is that um, our old head coach, Bo Pelini is the current defensive coordinator at LSU. Uh, and after their uh, lackluster performance uh, coming off of a national championship winning season so far, uh, I don't think he has gone off to the best start over there in Louisiana. Uh, no, that's right. There's already people calling for his head and even his head coach is, is not uh, completely, you know, backing his guy up so to speak right he just hired this guy and paid him big bucks to come and do this and uh yeah he, he's made it clear that the performance of the defense here early in the season has been uh, uh an embarrassment is the term he used so ogeron has already put Bo on notice that things have to get better like now or he's probably gone because uh, there was not a vote of confidence there at all yeah, because I guess we might as well mention it now. They beat their um, opponent in week five, but then in week six, they played against uh, Missouri and also lost this time 45-41. Uh, 
Um, yes. And both Missouri and uh, Mississippi State have not done that well in their in their other games so far of the season. So to see their offenses being so prolific against a very at, at LSU defense that has a lot of talent, even if a lot of it is young, um, is uh, is not 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 boding well for them. That that is correct. I mean, they're setting the wrong kinds of records right now at at LSU. Yeah, and of course, you know they lost their star, amazing quarterback, and a lot of uh, seniors, um, you know, and and people to the draft and all that stuff. You know, coming off their great season last season, so I think everybody kind of knew they'd be taking a step back. But this much of a step back, I think, is a shocker to everybody. Well, and especially on the defensive side. I mean, offensively. You know, they put up 41 points. That that should be enough to win you a football game if you're a good football team, right? I mean, that's the way, me- mentally, that's the way people think about it, is, you know, if, if you're going to score over 40 points, you should win. And uh, yeah. unless something's really wrong with your defense, well, that's the problem, is, is that right now they don't know which end is up. And that's not necessarily uh, unprecedented for Bo. You know, as a defensive coordinator, there have been times in the past, obviously, when he was at Nebraska, uh, even before, you know, he had he had some games where we looked just atrocious. And then and then a year later, we had the best defense in the country. Uh, uh, But, you know, some of that had to do with personnel that we had too, right, that allowed his defensive scheme to to become that successful. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can turn this around or is even given the time to turn it around. I. I sense that if he doesn't turn around fairly soon, that he might get a pink slip pretty quick. And Orgeron will just uh, pull the plug on this experiment before it gets too far along. Because uh, he has to play, they have to play Florida this week, I think, and then Alabama, I think, the next week. I mean, so like they've got, <laughs> they've got a couple of the tough games. I mean, they could easily go the next three weeks and not win. Oof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that that's definitely rough for them. Um, you know, and once again, to Bo's credit, like we just said, like, you know, everybody is struggling in terms of like getting their players, you know, to know the defensive game plan with the limited amount of time that they have and all that, you know, so obviously, some of that can be counted up to, you know, that situation, but also that's true for every team. So correct, you know, it's kind of correct. a universal truth for everybody. Correct. And, and, and so it's a year and as a coach, you have to you have to be flexible as a coach and recognize the unique circumstance you're in, and then change your normal uh, and your standards to accommodate that. What I mean by that is that maybe you simplify your defense a little bit more, and you call less sophisticated schemes to uh, uh, prepare for a game plan, so that your guys get more repetitions on the on the parts of the game plan that you're going to put in play, right? Um, and then, uh, and then you spend more time on, on fundamentals and less time teaching scheme, uh, because that's what they need right now is they need as much time doing fundamentals as they can, like tackling. Right. Um, yes. Your, your favorite, <laughs> your favorite. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, seriously, it's, it's, a, it really is amazing. The number of times Oklahoma is another, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that, but they're another team, uh, that desperately needs to just go back to the basics and, and have a day where they just tackle. Yeah. Um, speaking of Oklahoma, they also played in week four against Kansas state, ended up losing, uh, 35, 38, um, 
which was obviously and gave, gave up, I believe, at least a 21 point, if not a 28 point win or lead. Um, they, they were winning. I think they were winning 28 to seven or something like that. No, actually, I was just watching the, the replay. I think it was 14 to 35 late in the third quarter. So it was a 21 point okay, lead. 21 point lead. And then Kansas late State. In the third quarter. Right. So Kansas State started to come back and I guess Oklahoma didn't score a single point after that. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And I mean, Pretty again, shocking. their defense, well, very shocking because, you know, you, you had what, what most would consider for a team like Oklahoma, a very comfortable lead against the team in Kansas State who had lost to a uh, 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 FCS level team in week one. Um, right. In their first game, they lost to, I don't remember who it was, but it was, it was uh, like, Texas State or something. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was a it was a team they shouldn't have lost to. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. Right. Um, and for them to then turn around and and beat Oklahoma is just crazy. Yeah. And then also uh, our other uh, friends from the old Big Twelve, uh, number eight Texas, played against Texas Tech, ended up losing sixty three fifty six in an overtime game. Um. So both. Of um. The- it, uh, wait a minute. Uh, did Texas Tech, uh, Texas? I thought Texas beat, ended up beating. Oh, Texas Tech. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Texas yeah, did beat it, Texas Tech, 63-56. Yeah. Uh, it yes. was just, it, I guess, it's just significant that it went to overtime. That it was that close. And and Texas Tech, Texas Tech had like a 12 or maybe even an 18 point lead or something like that late in the in the contest. Should on, on all rights should have won that football game. And, and kind of just pissed down their leg and failed miserably. So, um, yeah, Texas was lucky to get out of that alive. But then, and you may be getting into the next game where Texas did, in fact, lose. Yes. And that was against uh, TCU. TCU, was it? Yeah. Correct. TCU won 33-31 to 31 over Texas. So that was right. that game. And so notice, these are razor-thin margins, right? These these all these contests are within seven points of each other. I mean, and that's that's one play, right? In most of those games, that's one play difference between winning and losing. So Texas could easily have gone zero and two there, or gone two and zero there, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing then for the last week's game, which was both Oklahoma and Texas playing each other in the in the Red River Shootout, which is the name that it will always go by on this podcast because that's the name of that contest it has always been the red river shootout uh, uh screw the uh politically correct um um who want to rename it or did rename it um and oklahoma again total control of the game uh was was clearly the dominant team and in, in fact i think had nearly twice the offense that uh texas did at a, at a point in that contest uh, in the third quarter and then basically went to sleep at the wheel and let Texas and their quarterback just will, he willed that team back into a tie and they went into a crazy multiple overtime, you know, slug fest. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was an, it was an incredibly entertaining game to watch because literally, I mean, uh, you had to admire the players who were out there, especially at the end of the game who, who were just, it was like a heavyweight fight where both fighters were in the you know, 15th round and neither one of them could hardly raise an arm to swing a punch, you know, and you were wondering which team was going to make a mistake. 
because that's what was going to end up causing uh, a victory. It wasn't going to necessarily be somebody seizing the moment because the defenses were spent and neither team could do uh, anything to stop the offenses. Right. Um, and Yeah, well, I was watching the highlights of that game because uh, that was from week six. And yeah, uh, uh, Oklahoma winning 53-45 in quadruple overtime, which is crazy. Um, but yeah. I think it was in the third overtime, um, Texas – you know, was going to go up by one and then uh, they had their uh, extra point blocked or, or maybe it was just, a, it, might no, it, was a, it was a field goal. wasn't you're, it? You're right. It was a field goal attempt. There was, was a field, field goal, goal attempt that got blocked. And then yep. Oklahoma went for their own field goal attempt later. And that one was just missed completely. Even right. though it was and, not and the, that and the, far. And the guy who, and the guy who missed it, Alex was Oklahoma's field goal kicker who was phenomenal, who was like, combined in field goals and extra points like 59 of 58 or maybe it was 59 of 59 like he had not missed in almost a year and a half anything <laughs> an extra point or field goal he was brilliant he was an all-american he was first team all-american last year and then in in the red red river shootout where all he has to do is kick a 30-yard field goal and they win and and he and he shanks it to the left <laughs> it was amazing yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, but so that would that would have been devastating for that kid if Oklahoma had lost. But thankfully, they oh, that's true. Still pulled well, it out. The good news is is that you know for Nebraska fans, uh, the ideal scenario would be for both Oklahoma and Texas to lose. That would be like ultimate, right? And pretty much that's what happened. Both of those teams are two and two. They both are have two losses in conference, right? Their losses are because they're just playing conference games. They played one non-conference game is all. So um, they're, uh, they're both two and two at this point, and, and they have two conference losses each. And so you have some teams like Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU that are undefeated in their conference play. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, there's some teams that have a chance – because Oklahoma has won that conference pretty much every year for like the last, well, since Nebraska left. Yeah. Uh, almost, I was going to say the, the last decade, has, it's been pretty much all OU. And um, so it would be neat to see TCU or Iowa State or Kansas State to actually sustain, you know, their early success here all the way to the end of the season. And since TCU has already played Texas and Kansas State has already, you know, their victory is against Oklahoma. I mean, um, yeah, Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Oklahoma. So, I mean, they have one of the big boys already out of the way. Uh -huh. um, Iowa State also is a team that has a very salty defense and a solid offense with a, with a senior quarterback who knows what the hell he's doing. So Iowa State's going to be a tough out for teams too. Yep. Um, so that, that, that whole conference is upside down. It's awesome. Yep. Right. Well, because, yeah, in the previous week, week five, that's where Iowa State played against Oklahoma and Iowa State ended up winning uh, 37 to 30. Yeah. Which is another See, big shot. Uh, again, all these high scoring games, but all within seven points of each other. So it's it's back to that, you know, foot uh, basketball on grass. Who gets the ball last kind of thing? Yeah. Um, and one since you were mentioning the field goal kicking in the Texas Oklahoma game. I thought it was worth mentioning that in the Kansas State game, the thing that let them go up by 3 um to be win 38-35 over Oklahoma was like a 50-yard field goal by their kicker uh that had some real juice on it. So Right. They've got a right. good kicker too. They do. 
absolutely. And uh, so, you know, and that, and Ellen Ellinger, Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas just played an absolutely spectacular football game. I mean, he, he did it all and was trying so hard and his effort was admirable and, and, and an impressive thing to watch. So, uh, but, uh, you know, ends up in a loss for them. Yep. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, both those teams will rebound. They'll end up being very good by the end of the year. And, and uh, you know, if push comes to shove, one of those other three teams I mentioned has to be able to beat those other teams so that they can stay, you know, undefeated or have only one loss as the, is what they got to do. They got to take advantage of this opportunity and seize the moment. And we'll see if that plays out for the Big 12. Because that's the only way, frankly, that one of those teams might might build the case uh, for being in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're we're looking at at a at a year where you know the Pac-12 is not even going to be a part of the playoff because they're not starting early enough. The Big Ten is going to barely get it in, assuming that they don't have a bunch of COVID cancellations. And then the SEC is sitting fat with almost a guarantee of two teams unless the big 12 has a team really truly emerge like, um, you know, TCU Um, because Kansas state and Iowa state, although they've both got big wins also are the two teams from the big 12 that lost in week one to teams. They never should have lost to. Right. Uh, Iowa state lost to Louisiana uh, Monroe, I think, or something like that. So anyway, crazy, crazy set of circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Um, talking about just so, some some of the bigger games between the highly ranked teams. Um, in week five, uh, Georgia played against uh, Auburn, number four Georgia versus number seven Auburn, and Georgia controlled that game pretty well, twenty seven to six over Auburn. And then yes. in week six, number one Clemson played against number seven Miami and dominated forty two to seventeen. Right, and even that score is not reflective of how much. Uh, they dominated. I mean, uh, they did end up giving up some yards late. Uh, Clemson did, but I mean, for almost three quarters, I think, I think Miami's offense, which had been doing very well, and their quarterback, uh, the D- Eric King, had had, um, you know, had some uh, Heisman, early Heisman hype because of the his performance early. Uh, I think they had 108 yards of total offense or something. It was crazy. Um, so that was a very dominant performance by Clemson, um, on a, on frankly, a game in which, uh, you know, their all American quarterback and likely Heisman front runner, uh, at Clemson didn't have his best game ever, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he didn't have his best game ever, but, but he played well. And, um, uh, and then the running backs and the defense played spectacular for Clemson. So. So, um, and that was probably expected to be one of their toughest games of their conference season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, because, yeah, the ACC is so weak in comparison well, compared, to how good Clemson is. Right, right. And when people thought maybe it was that, that, you know, because there's a lot of talent there in that Miami roster, and they thought maybe this would be the, 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 the team that could do it, but nope, it wasn't to be. So I think Clemson is, is, uh, is in the driver's seat for sure. And, and then you got Alabama and Georgia and, you know, two or three other SEC teams that are all going to be vying for spots. And then you got 
the craziness that's going on in the Big 12. And who knows what's going to happen. But likely, you know, Ohio State is going to be the, the victors of the Big 10. So they get in. So it's going to be two SEC teams, Ohio State and Clemson. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you, I think you could get, give the the playoff committee a little bit of a break this time since one of the conferences is even playing. So, Oh, I know. You know I, no, you're right. It's a you're, weird you're situation. You're right. Um, I, I would just love, I would love it if it was Iowa state, for example, that would be that cool. They would go undefeated or something, but, but From they, they already on. screwed up. They didn't. You right. know, so now it's gotta be TCU. Yeah. And I, and I really don't want them to. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, last games to talk about here in week six. Um, Florida played against Texas A&M and got upset in another high score and close game. Same, same verse, same as the first, uh, Texas A&M scored 41 points to Florida's 38. Um, and then we had a, a close game, surprisingly close game between Auburn and Arkansas where Auburn won, but it was 30 to 28. Right. And in that game, there was a very, very controversial call late in the game where, uh, the uh, the Auburn quarterback um, fumbled or muffled the snap from center, okay? And mm-hmm. then was going to, his intention was to spike the ball to stop the clock, okay, for the, uh, um, I mean, that's what you do, right? And, right. and, and there, there, there are special rules that, that govern that whole process. Uh, of of spiking the ball to stop the clock okay and uh, but when you muffle the snap that's it you, you know th- those some of those things are no longer uh in play you know like usually if you just throw the ball down like that that's intentional grounding and it's a it's a penalty right so there it's a very specific set of circumstance where you can do that uh, uh legally well when he bobbled the snap he also shifted his body turned his body so when he threw the ball down he was throwing it backwards, right? Which, what does that mean? That means that's not a forward pass. That's a lateral. That's a free ball. That's a fumble. Right. And then, and then the referees blew the whistle before any, any team, either the offensive team, Auburn in this case, or Arkansas had a chance to get possession and control the football. The, 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 the play was whistled dead with the ball still on the ground. And that, that was a fumble. That was a live football and should have been deemed that way mm-hmm. um, 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 but, but they ended up calling it uh, uh, an incomplete pass um, and uh, you know obviously allowed Auburn to have another play which they used to kick a, a field goal and win it yeah. um, so um, I think that, uh, that that's just another example of a, of, a, of a refereeing crew just completely blowing a call Mm-hmm. in that critical moment. Yeah. Well, and I also was reading a little bit about how in that Texas Oklahoma game, apparently there was like there was like a, a a time clock error near the end that like gave Texas like oh, 40 yes. seconds back or something like that, which Well, uh, it, it, yes, it it had to do with when they stopped the clock and they treated it as a circumstance that should have been a stopped clock, right? Because there's a there's the 35 second game clock, right? Right. It's always going. Classic. Another example of Texas getting uh, <laughs> benefits, right? Yes. I mean, how, how often does that have to happen before you can no longer say that's just 
randomness and luck of the draw. That every time there are issues where a team needs a, 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 a clock uh, interpretation that is beneficial to them for them to get another playoff, it's Texas. They, they, they always get it, and they never on the, are, are on the other side of that. And, and so, you know, that statistically becomes more and more of an anomaly every time it happens. And, and so anybody who wants to question whether Texas has some uh, people working on their, on their behalf uh, to, to ensure that they get a little extra uh, security um, every time uh, is, is blind. So <laughs> just another example. Yes, yes. Well, well us Nebraska fans will never forget the one second in the, next, exactly. in the Big 12 that, championship game. <laughs> put, back, put back on the clock. Not that they stopped it early or anything like that. No, they actually put it back on the clock just so that Texas could have that final play when they never should have had it. And everyone agreed that that was true, except, of course, Texas fans. Of course. All right. And then last thing, uh, you were correct. I looked it up uh, in, in this upcoming weekend. LSU does play against Florida. Um, yes. And the the big, big game is Georgia versus Alabama, who are currently number two and number three, according to the yes. polls. Yes. And uh, I, frankly, that is, in my opinion, uh, that's the – that's the SEC championship right there, right? I mean, that's the game that's going to be the two best teams probably in that league. And both of them will probably end up getting into the playoff. And I don't know. Are they in opposite divisions? Um, I think they are. Georgia and um, Alabama, I think they are in opposite divisions. So they may very well face each other again for the conference championship game. Um, and then they would and then they would potentially still be in the, in the running – uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, that's good that they're playing this weekend, though. That's really good. I'm assuming that's the night game. Did you happen to notice? Uh, yeah, it says 5 o'clock PST, P- Pacific time. Pacific. So. Okay, awesome. That'll be a great game to watch, boy. I'll be in front of the TV for that one. Yeah, that should be good. Um, it's at a home for Alabama. Um, yep. So what, what's your thinking on uh, score? We should do our usual score predictions. Wow. Well, uh, it's home game for Alabama, so I'm going to give it to Alabama, but it will be close. And Alabama's defense showed some some weakness, obviously, in that Ole Miss game last week. So, um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to say it's going to be high scoring, but Alabama's still going to win it. So it's going to be one of these, uh, um, um, uh, let's say, 35-31 Alabama wins. 35-31. Okay. Very good. Uh, I'm also going to predict an Alabama victory, but I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit more high score, or the the margin of victory is going to be a little bit wider. So okay. I'm going to say, let's say 38 Alabama, um, 24 Georgia. Okay. Just just for the record, though, I will say since we just covered that, um, I want uh, Georgia to win. And I will be rooting for Georgia hard, <laughs> just, just so you understand where I, where my hope is. I would love it if it was the other way around, and that Georgia, because frankly, Georgia has pissed down their legs at least twice in games that they should have beaten Alabama, where they were the better team, and they found a way to lose it. And mm-hmm. and so it would, it would be a great uh, little step in the right direction for them to finally win a game, even if they're not deserving to win it. Meaning, meaning that Alabama is clearly the better team, but 
maybe makes one or two mistakes too many and and then George is able to take advantage. But uh, I doubt it. I think Nick will have Alabama ready to play a great football game and will probably win. Yep. And then LSU, Florida, it's also a home game for Florida. Um, mm-hmm. And earlier in the season, I probably would have told you that I would think LSU would have that one, being defending national champs and all. Uh, but then, uh, you know, Florida did just get upset by Texas A&M in a close game. Um but uh, I think, uh, especially since it's at home for Florida, I think I've got to give it to them over LSU. And uh, going to predict a high-scoring game. You know, close close victory, but high-scoring, just like all those upsets that we were looking at before. Uh, so let's say Florida wins it. Um, let's say 49, and LSU gets uh, 38. 49-38. Okay. Well, I'm going to say it'll it'll end up being just slightly lower scoring, uh, 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 where Florida's not going to score 49 points. Uh, let's say they're only going to score 45, but that LSU is going to struggle a little bit more offensively. So I'm going to say 45-24, uh, Florida victory. Okay. I think I think the struggles continue for LSU. Yep, I think that's a fair prediction. And the last thing we have on our docket for today is, of course, talk about our favorite Nebraska Cornhuskers who have yes. gotten into practice this week. And I believe you have the scoop on uh, what the coaches have been saying and everything like well, that. It's kind of it's kind of interesting, uh, Alex. They're they're not talking nearly as much as they would historically, right? And they're they're doing their conferences instead of having a football uh, press conference. They're doing the Zoom thing a little bit, and so it's a little bit different where the where the uh, media are asking a few questions and it's just it's very different. So you, we're not getting nearly as much information. And also I would say very specifically that Scott Frost and his coaches have all made the decision to play down the hype. They're consciously not talking about underclassmen. Uh, they're talking about their seniors, their leaders. They're talking about the guys that we already know, know about, you know, that, that played a, a significant role last year. But they're not doing what they've done in the previous two years where they have kind of allowed the hype train to start building for some of their young players. If, if you're a player that hasn't um, seen a lot of snaps or you're a freshman, then it doesn't matter whether you're doing really well in camp and really showing, well, they're not, they're not making that comment this year. So it's kind of an interesting, much more subdued, much more Tom Osborne-esque approach to uh, the communication uh, during the preseason, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I think also hidden in Scott's comments uh, are the reality that he's hopeful that his depth is better this year than it has been in other years and that um, um, that will translate into uh, guys performing better who are the starters as well, right? Because because they're being pushed by that improved depth. Um but but I can also hear uh, in his the choice of words and, and even the tone of his comments that I think he is fully aware that Nebraska continues to be a team that's fragile from a depth standpoint. And he keeps talking about how he's building it. We're building it, we're building it, we're building it. But he never says we're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're better than we were last year, but but – there's there's all there's always that hesitation that that you're waiting for the butt to come into the conversation so i would say that right now um 
Scott is doing everything he can to, to downplay um, expectations for Nebraska football uh, going into this season. And I, and I believe that there's a number of reasons for that. I believe that we've had some um, uh, losses on the team uh, in terms of players that aren't, aren't available to us um, either because of injury or because of a couple of them opting maybe not to play this season because of COVID. Uh, And then we have some, some um, kids who never even gave themselves a chance at Nebraska and, and the whole COVID thing kind of disrupted their whole college experience enough that they, they just didn't feel comfortable anymore and went home. So we've had some losses that way uh, in terms of, and that affects our depth is what I'm talking about. Not so much starters, but depth. And, uh, and I, and I think that then you add on top of that uh, the schedule that we know is daunting this year, uh, especially right out of the blocks where we play first week at Ohio state um, is, uh, is something where Scott's just kind of downplaying everything. He, I believe he is quietly confident that, that we are better than we were last year, that we have a much more mature offensive line who, who, who is going to be better. But how much better? I don't even think Scott knows, right? He's not quite sure. And frankly, it has to be a lot better, right? Because, right? because we need to protect our quarterback, and we need for that quarterback to be able to have some success. Also, uh, what's been interesting is, is that they really haven't specifically um, rode the Adrian Martinez train. They have re- released information suggesting that, not that it's a full-blown open competition, but it's clear that, um, that uh, McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey, is doing well and is getting a fair number of first-team snaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are going into the season preparing for the fact that, that at, least, at least in these early games, I think you can expect that Luke McCaffrey is going to see snaps at quarterback. He's also probably going to see a package that I think includes him in a wide receiver role that could translate to uh, um, some quarterback um, shenanigans going on with both of them on the field at the same time. Uh, But uh, I think they're planning on using Luke uh, quite a bit. They're going to find a way. Yeah. Yeah, well, and – What's interesting is that at, due to what I was just talking about previously in terms of the national games, you know, uh, because all all teams, regardless of their prestige or whatever, haven't had time to get their players properly ready, you know, and go, go through as much practice as they'd like, which has led to some of these, you know, kind of uh, crazy upsets and high scores and stuff. Uh, that does give me some hope, you know, that uh, we may have more of a shot against an Ohio State, you know, defense that hasn't practiced as much, you know, and uh, we may be able to, you know, get some nice touchdowns on them. Um, but then in reverse, you know, our defense, which already has plenty of issues uh, being even less practiced will mean I think we'll get scored on plenty by Ohio State in return. So uh, it's right. going to be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think throwing in some new wrinkles on the offensive side with a McCaffrey, you know, in different positions or um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but our star Wandale Robinson, right. Wandale, you know, being healthy again and being able to be the multi-purpose yeah. tool that he is uh, could create some excitement. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, 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 I think we have the potential or the chance to um, um, be quite successful offensively. And, and maybe even against Ohio State, you know, where 
like you say, you, you, you catch them first game. Uh, they've got some new starters too. Uh, and, uh, and we have a little success. And again, the whole concept of Scott's offense is about getting into rhythm, right? And getting that high paced, uh, uh, offense going. And if he could do that with some success and some consistency with a quarterback who is in his third year now as the starter with Scott's system, all of a sudden, maybe the, that whole thing slows down. You know, a lot of what, uh, I feel like Adrian's problem was, was not only was he injured, and he was dealing with a, a you know a, a, a center who was just learning the position, and so he didn't have confidence in his snaps. But but he was also trying to do too much. He was trying to do too much himself, uh, rather than letting the offense do the work for him. And so I think him going through his progressions and his checkdowns, I'm 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 hopeful that we're going to see um, Adrian be way better at at going through progressions this year than he was last year. Because that's uh, really what he needs to improve at. Yeah. One bit of disappointment that d- does stink from the perspective of us having such a front-loaded, tough schedule is that, you know, you'd like to be able to have, you know, a first opponent that's, you know, weaker than us to give Adrian the chance to, you know, show his improvement and kind of build his confidence. Because I think that's the big thing from last year compared to his first year. You know, he impressed us all in a lot of ways. Then second year, it was like he took a step back. Um, right. which was surprising to a lot of people. So if if he has made these improvements in the offseason and matured more, then I, I hope to see that here in this third year. But if, you know, we lose, you know, right out of the gate in our first couple games, you know, because we're playing these tough teams and he never gets that chance to build that confidence, uh, then he may be, you know, I hope that doesn't like damage him then for the rest of the season when we well, do right. play against our... I- you know, well, and, teams. and, and then, it, and then, you know, he's, he's been kind of injury prone, right? I mean, he's been a guy that, yeah. that gets banged up, you know, he's had a couple of knee issues already in his career and stuff. And so the idea of having to play against a very physical, very talented, if not experienced Ohio state defense is still got the earmarkings of a game that will cause Adrian to be pretty banged up for, for week two. And mm-hmm. so my, my hope would be as we prepare, you know, we're, we're now within two weeks of game day. So, so um, this week is super critical for the coaches putting final decisions together on what the depth chart's going to look like for, for the early games. And so, uh, you know, the, the players that uh, are in that discussion still, they have to make their move. You know, if there are three guys that are, at running back, for example, we, we expect Dietrich Mills is going to be the starter, but there's three players behind Dietrich that uh, are going to be very important to us because Dietrich's not going to make it through. Hell, he probably won't even make it through the Ohio State game, much less uh, the, the season without getting dinged up to the point where he needs to he needs uh, a, br- a breather or a, some time off the field, right? So you got to have a second, third, and a fourth running backs all ready to go. Well, we aren't even close to that, right? I'm hoping we can have two, maybe three, but the idea of being four deep, that, that's still a pipe dream for us. So right. who are, who is number two? Who is number three? Who is number four? Those are the decisions that have to make, be made this week. And then they'll really tighten down the reps next week on game week. And most of the reps are going to go to ones and twos mm-hmm. and the, the threes and fours get very few reps, right? Then everything starts to focus in on just those, top 44 or 50 players 
Right. So, uh, and the last so, thing I, I was going to say was that I think also uh, some of probably Scott's more kind of reserved um, discussions when it comes to talking about the practices and the players and everything is because you know that they, like you said, they did kind of let 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 the hype, you know, kind of build for some of our younger talent last year and things like that. And then, you know, we ended up having another disappointing season. Um, right. You know, and now, now Scott's had two in a row. So I think he is very, you know, conscious of that and trying to be more realistic with fans on like, you know, we're still in this rebuilding process. Um, right. And we've got this tough schedule, you know, so don't get your hopes up too high. Right. Right. Exactly. And I, and I think he needs to be managing his team's expectation with the players, you know. I mean, they've got so many things they're having to message to these players. These guys are, are, are being asked to not be students, basically, not be the typical college student-athlete that they've been in the past and, and instead be this very mature, focused athlete student who is, you know, focused on his sport uh, dedicating himself to his academics and staying out of trouble and just going home after practice every day and just do your work and shut up. Okay. And don't go out, don't party, don't do any of the fun stuff that has been a part of maybe their last two or three years. Um, uh, and that's, that's, that's a hard ask. And the longer you get into the semester, the tougher that's going to get. And especially if you start losing, right. Then, mm. then all of a sudden the commitment level begins to wane and, drop off and, and now the leaders um, don't have the ear of the younger guys quite as well and and it, 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 the wheels could come off really quick for a team and especially when you're as fragile mentally as Nebraska is some early success and I think early success for Nebraska will be being competitive with Ohio State I mean actually scoring some points against them and making them punt uh, regularly would be a good thing because we haven't even been able to make Ohio State's offense punt the last couple of years, uh, so we need to we need to be able to have a three and out every now and then, and 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 show that we're capable of at least hanging with them for periods of time, even though over the course of the game maybe they end up climbing and 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 having a twenty one point victory or something. That would be, in my opinion, uh, a step in the right direction, and would maybe allow the coaches to message the team with the positives enough to prepare them for the next week against the Wisconsin team that frankly, I think we do have a chance to beat. Um, mm-hmm. I could see us, I could see us winning that game. Um, uh, if we don't lay a complete egg against Ohio state. Yep. 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 Well, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Um, there's a lot to look forward to, uh, in this week and the upcoming weeks. Um, I think probably our next podcast will probably be, um, before the Ohio State game, you know, kind of uh, right. game week, right? Game week. We'll we'll do a podcast with our kind of updated yep. thoughts on how the practices have been going. You know, the other big games have happened since that time in the in between period, um, and getting us all excited for Nebraska football again. Exactly. I think, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna be here in Lincoln for the for probably the first two games for this this game of Ohio State, which obviously is being played at at uh, Ohio State in Columbus, and then the Wisconsin game, which will be played here, but no one will be in attendance right. uh, except for you know maybe some family. But uh, but but I'm going to be in the Lincoln area and kind of see what 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 transpires. It'll be interesting to experience that a uh, part of this COVID year. 
That's right. So if you out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can find us online if you search for us on iTunes under College Football Throwdown or Apple Podcasts as well. You can find us online at footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can leave us a review and let us know what you think of the podcast. We always love hearing from the fans. And you can reach out to us at huskerpete 13 at gmail.com to send in any specific questions, and we'll read them out live on the air. So thank you very much out there for listening, and thank you for joining me, Dad, for this podcast. And until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.